Welcome to Fireside Nets. We are your home for everything Brooklyn Nets news, reactions, information, game breakdowns, and so much more. We are your hosts. I'm Spen. He's Pete. And today we are joined by none other than senior Nets writer for New York Daily News, CJ Holmes. CJ, welcome to the pod. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, first time participant, so go easy on me. <laughs> You'll be good. You're fine. You'll you'll be a recurring guest in no time. That's that's what we do here at Fireside. We we take someone who's never been on the show and and in a month they've been on the show like three times. <laughs> well, that sounds good to me. All right, perfect. Uh let's get into it. Pete, what do you got for CJ today? All right. Obviously, you covered the Warriors for a couple of years, but I was really curious, what's the perspective of the Nets like from the outside? Obviously, there was the big three drama. That's well past us. You've just, like you said, you just kind of jumped into the job. But um, what's the perspective from the outside? And now that you're kind of following the team, has it changed at all for you? Well, in terms of outside perspective, you know, the, the, the big three drama is like, you know, the most, I would say, a lot of people outside of, you know, Brooklyn, outside of New York, outside of the fan base were always following, um, you know, Kyrie's antics, James Harden wanting out, Katie jumping ship. I mean, that's that was really newsworthy stuff for a while now. Um, outside of that, I didn't know too much about the organization uh, other than a couple times I covered games at Barclays Center, which is, you know, in my opinion, just as beautiful um, as a Chase Center um, out there in San Francisco. But, you know, you know, since I've been on the beat, you know, I guess one thing that stood out is just how, you know, welcoming, you know, the entire organization is. Um, we were at shoot around the other day and, you know, I walk in, uh, you know, waiting for guys to, you know, come up for their interviews. And, you know, one of the PR guys walked Sean Marks right up to me. Um, he wanted to introduce himself and that, that meant a lot to me, you know, because um, he didn't have to do that, you know, who am I, right? Um, but I really appreciate that um, from everything I've seen, it seems like a pretty well-ran organization. I know from a PR standpoint, it was a little stressful on those guys <laughs> during the uh, KD Harden uh, Kyrie era. Um, but those guys run a pretty tight ship there um, in Brooklyn. And I'm just looking forward to seeing, you know, my relationships grow um, with the players, front office, um, different people, you know, on the PR media team for the Nets. Um, as we move forward. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I feel like you're not the only person to say glowing words about Sean Marks. Uh, everyone that comes on this show just raves about him if they've met him. Uh, fans say he comes up to them in, in the Brooklyn Brigade section and and he hangs out with them pregame. So it, it's good to hear someone else coming on the show and and giving Sean Marks uh, some nice words there. Uh, let's Let's get into the performance of this team so far. 12 and 9 through 21 games with an upcoming matchup tonight against the Kings. For all those listening on Tuesday, we apologize for not recording at 2 a.m. Uh, CJ, what has surprised you most about this Nets team so far? You know, what has been so surprising about this team is despite having 
so many players dealing with injuries in and out of the lineups that they're still sitting at 12 and nine and they seem to be getting better. It makes you wonder uh, what this team can be when they're at full strength. I think uh, uh, head coach Jacques Vaughn said it himself. I think they've only been completely healthy for one game this season. And, you know, and there's a lot to like about the pieces that they do out have out there. Um, I'm really impressed with the, the, the depth on the wings um, you got guys like Royce O'Neal and Dorian Finley-Smith shooting career best, uh, having like career best seasons from beyond the arc. Um, you know, while I do think that this team is lacking in some point guard play, um, you know, one can assume that Ben Simmons can, you know, help take the creation to another level when he's healthy and back on the court. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie has filled in pretty well in that role, I would say. And then you got a guy like uh, Dennis Smith Jr., who, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, but he just keeps bringing energy every night at both ends of the floor. He's getting stops. He's getting dunks. Um, he's doing all those, that, that little, you know, the little physical things that are conducive to winning. Um, overall, I didn't think the Nets have a pretty balanced roster. Um, like I said, I, I do want to see another guy step up as, a, you know, another primary creator. But outside of that, um, they have a pretty balanced roster. Uh, I think this is a season where Mikael Bridges can make an, his first all-star team. Um, he's been absolutely fantastic in the games that I've covered. Um, I think he had, what, 30, 32 in the first half the other night. Um, and he just seems to keep getting better and better in terms of his efficiency. Um, so overall, I like what I see at, um, see you know, with this team. Um, I know it's early, but I think they're a playoff team. Um, and then, you know, once you get into that term, anything can happen. Is there anyone that's kind of surprised you early that, you know, maybe you saw this guy for a couple of years and now seeing him close up in Brooklyn, it's been like, wow, this guy, excuse me. Wow. This guy's like really good. Uh, for me, that guy has to be Royce O'Neal. Um, I watched a lot of his games um, when he was playing out in Utah uh, always came across as one of those, um, you know, glue guys, um, one of those, you know, high level role players, but you know, this season with the Nets, I mean, the guy's been a fringe starter. Um, if you ask me, that's just how well he's played. Like I mentioned before, shooting career best from behind the arc. Um, he can get it done defensively and he's just, I just feel like he's just so efficient with everything he does offensively. And, you know, you can never have too many guys like that on your roster. And, you know, I think that this Nets team, especially on the wings have a bunch of them. Yeah, the, the thing I love about Royce is any role he's been asked to do, whether it's start, come off the bench, run the point, guard the big man, he's done it, and it really hasn't affected his offense. Like, Yeah, he's been hot and cold, but for the most part, he's been consistent. So I, I think in a weird way, that would be my answer too, CJ. If I can pick one guy that surprised me this year, listen, it might be Royce or DFS. It would be a tie between those two because I did not expect Dorian Finney-Smith to shoot as well as he's been shooting. I guess you can throw Dennis Smith Jr. in that category too. I mean, this is a guy, um, former, you know, former high draft pick of the Dallas Mavericks, kind of forced, he was forced out of uh, Dallas after they drafted Luka Doncic, bounced around the league. But he's a guy that, you know, although he hasn't found a stable home in this league, he's always had a job, it seems like. And I think that, you know, kind of speaks to a lot of guys' character, you know, guy who got drafted high. Um, still, he's able to put that pride aside and to keep working. And, you know, 
again, it's it's super early. Um, but this is a guy that's on a one year deal that I think in a lot of ways is outplaying his value. Um, will he find a home in Brooklyn? Um, I guess we'll see as the season continues, but he's a very good fit um, on this roster and what they're looking to do. Not Lonnie Walker, though. There's the thing. There's just so many surprises, like so many, like there's so many guys on this roster. I'm like, oh, wow. Like you're showing me something I haven't seen. You got a guy like Lonnie Walker who is, you know, you guys know that big bird uh, meme where he just kicks the door down. Like that's how Lonnie Walker's been this year. Um, another former first round pick um, had his ups and downs in San Antonio last year, inconsistent minutes uh, with the Lakers. And this year, um, you know, He's been healthy for the most part up until this point, right? Um, this is a guy who at one time was leading the league in 20-point games off the bench. I'm not sure if he still does. I'm going to have to scour basketball reference to find that one. But, um, you know, this is – it seems like Lonnie in this role on this team, it seems like his production is sustainable. Now, granted, when you, when you got Ben Simmons coming back eventually and – you know, there's, there's definitely going to be some lineup shakeups. Minutes are going to be here and there. But in the minutes that Lonnie has given this team, they're giving them he's given them a much-needed scoring punch off the bench, right? And, and you just got to love it, not just because of you know, what he's doing on the court, but just his story and what he's been through. And a guy, another guy like Dennis Smith, who's really selling into his own in Brooklyn. Yeah, I feel like there's no wrong answer to that question. And, you know, I think about this team and – I try to put my finger on on what the theme of this this team is, CJ. Has it been resiliency? Has it been something else? What is the theme surrounding the, the Nets so far in this young season? Well, there is one phrase that has been, you know, shared a lot in recent, you know, interviews, and that's radical truth. Um, so essentially the meaning of that is that guys are just straight up honest. Um, they hold people accountable. Um, they tell you, you know, the whole mantra there is to, you know, tell somebody the truth, no matter how bad it may sound and, you know, holding guys accountable in that way. I think that is a reason why you've seen this team play so well, despite having guys in and out of the lineups. Um, you know, they, because I mean, really that's the only inconsistent thing you can say about this team this season. Um, they've been consistently one of the better offenses in the league. Um, you know, they've consistently had success with different lineups. And, you know, I think that all just draws back to that idea of holding guys accountable and, you know, leading by example in that way. Does that make sense? Um, so radical truth. Yeah, it's, it's something that a lot of guys have been saying a lot lately. Of course, that's something when they keep in-house, but, you know, it got out. So guys are being uh, radically honest with each other and it's uh, paying dividends in that locker room. I did not expect that answer. That was basically honesty, radical truth. That's that's high praise. Good for the Brooklyn Nets being able to uh, to tell each other like it is, I guess. <laughs> um, Mikhail Bridges, I, I want to talk about him. He has been stellar as of late. He's had a good season so far, but but it, he's he's gone off these last several games. Where where do you see his ceiling? And, and this may be a stupid question, but right now, is he the clear-cut number one scoring option on this team? Oh, without a doubt. Um, without a doubt. And it all comes down to his efficiency. You know, as Mikel was telling us the other day, he's always been an efficient player. And you can even follow that back to his time in Phoenix and his days in Villanova. I actually got to cover Mikel a little bit um, during his rookie year when I was in Phoenix. Um, 
But the guy is just doing what he does at like a higher volume. That makes sense because he's always been this guy. But you got to understand Phoenix, he had guys like Devin Booker, um, you know, primarily a guy like Devin Booker, you know, taking a lot of shots. And, you know, Mikel wasn't asked to carry a team scoring wise, right? You know, they, they had Booker for that, um, Aiden, guys like that, right? But now in Brooklyn, he's being asked to do that. And, you know, he has taken his scoring to another level without sacrificing the efficiency that's made him such a good player in the first place, all while still playing, um, you know, at a very, very high defensive level at the other end of the court. Uh, you put it all, to get, all together, you have one hell of a player, in my opinion. I think you have an all-star. Um, I got to look at the different wings uh, out in the East this year, but I think that Mikhail has just as much of a chance as any other guy um, to make an all-star team this year in the Eastern Conference. What can his ceiling be? Um, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, you got to think that he's getting pretty close to it the way he's been playing. Um, you know, maybe he can grab a couple more rebounds a game. Uh, maybe he can be more of a creator uh, for this team, put the ball in his hands more, um, run them off ball screens, have them uh, create for others, uh, something of that nature. But I think that he is – Everything he's doing is exactly what this team needs him to do. And what makes this team so interesting, it's a team full of guys who can adjust to, you know, whatever the situation calls for. And, you know, Mikel's one of the best in the business business at it. You covered Steph Curry in Golden State, as I uh, mentioned before. Do you see any similarities possibly between Steph Curry and Cam Thomas? Both guys kind of work out a lot. Uh pretty much chuck from three whenever they can, usually hit it. What do you think about them two? I know the games are different. Don't get me wrong. The games are different. But do you see any similarities between the two? Um, Maybe not not, not too many. Um, you know, I've heard good things about Cam's work ethic. Um, I haven't been here long enough to see it and appreciate it, but I have heard it, which is a good thing. And I, as everyone knows, Steph is one of the hardest workers in the game. Um, it's been my way for a while now. Um, but in terms of similarity, maybe just the fearlessness, right? The fearlessness, the belief in self. Uh, Cam isn't afraid to, you know, let it fly no matter where he is on the court. Um, like you said, their games are different. I do think that Steph gets to the cup a little bit more um, than Cam. And in the couple games I've, I've covered, I haven't seen a lot of, you know, a lot of Cam shots, there's not a lot of variety in them. I feel like it's either a three-pointer or some type of like mid-range pull-up or some type of crazy off-balance one-legged spin shot or something. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And I feel like Steph is, has a lot more in his bag right now, right? He's a lot more – I'm going to call Cam out of control. I haven't gotten that impression. I don't think he's an out-of-control mm-hmm. player. Um, but I do think Steph is a lot more in control. But in terms of that fearlessness – um, that work ethic, I think some similarities can be drawn there. Yeah, going back to Mikel Bridges for a minute, uh, I think a big issue Net fans had with Mikel was that he wasn't per se uh, that dog at the end of games. He wasn't super aggressive. You saw all these guys in Golden State that could have been a one option, like Clay Thompson or whatever, get the ball, big-time clutch shots, and Bridges wasn't doing it. Now, I have to admit, he's been really playing super well the last week or two or whatever, what I don't know, 15 games or whatever, besides the point, do you think he has that gene in him to be that one, that one A superstar? Maybe, you know, maybe. Uh, he's definitely been showing it as of late. 
Uh, but the thing about this Nets team is there is no clear bona fide star. I, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm trying to think, but I think there's only one player on this roster that's made all-star team and his back is injured currently. <laughs> um, so with that being said, this is a type, type of team where I know there's a lot of teams who have stars who kind of want to put the ball in their hands at the end of games. But, you know, as we've already discussed, like this team is full of guys who can make this team is full of guys who can make a shot. So I think fans should worry less about can Mikel, you know, be that guy that they can ride down the stretch of games and appreciate the fact more that there's a lot of threats on this team and there's a lot of guys willing to look for that, you know, perfect shot, you know, down the stretch. Because there's a lot of guys who can knock it down. It doesn't have to be Mikel. Mikel doesn't have to be that guy. If he had to be that guy, if that's what uh, Coach Vaughn asked him to be, um, I'm sure you can be that guy. I mean, you saw it in the Atlanta game a couple of weeks ago, right? I mean, shoot, last week. Um, but I think that fans should appreciate the fact more that there's a lot of playmakers on this team. And there's there doesn't have to be the pressure of that one singular player taking the last shot. There's a lot of guys who can make that last shot on this team. You you brought up that Atlanta shot, and this is the last Mikhail question. I, did you see that shot up close? Were you in Atlanta for that or no? I was not in Atlanta. I was here. I was uh, on that couch right over there with my dog. <laughs> how, how important did you think that moment was for Mikhail, for him to hit that shot down the stretch to win the game against Trey, especially given what happened in their last matchup where him, Lonnie Walker, everyone pretty much missed down the stretch? Um, it was huge for him, especially during the fact that uh, entering the night, him and uh, Cam Johnson had never won in Atlanta. So you could tell entering the game that, you know, they had a chip on their shoulders. They wanted to get that monkey off their back, um, if you will. Um, but it's huge, especially for a guy who's campaigning for his first all-star team, right? A lot of, you know, it's, it's still fan vote, right, for the starters, right? So fans want moments. Fans remember moments. They don't necessarily remember stats. They remember moments, right? So that was a moment for Mikhail. And he's had a couple of moments like that this season. And, you know, between now and the All-Star breaks, he keeps piling up those moments. I mean, he should he should hear his name fall. I think, I think he's deserving. I don't know. When he took that shot, CJ and Pete, there was one guy, one other player, former Brooklyn Net, he reminded me of. I don't know. Maybe that was just me. <laughs> you, did you see it? Little KD vibes in there? Uh, a little, a little straight from the hip? I don't know. I mean, look, if you if you take both the numbers of both guys, right, and you just take the name off of it, it'd be hard. It's hard to determine. It'd be hard to determine who's who. And from what I understand, you know, that's a comparison that's been made since Mikel was acquired by the Nets, right? Um, as soon as he got traded here, the dude just came out of his shell and started going off, right? Because, you know, that's, you know, it's Mikel Bridges, man. Um, Villanova pred uh, pedigree. You know, I used to cover the Cats, so I kind of know how they handle business um, uh, uh, out there in Villanova. Um, hard worker class act um the dude the guy just simply deserves all the success he's having and uh it's it's great that he is now getting a chance to show you know what he can do um when given you know more 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 of a you know get, when he's given a green light to score the ball yeah i i think you just inspired uh, a tweet 
who would you rather have player a player B and I, I'd love to pull that, see how many people take Mikhail's stats over KD's stats. Uh, oh, that would be fun. I might have to, I might have to tweet that later. All right. I wanted to switch over to the Nets fan base. People, you know, around the league, they tend to argue about Nets fans not being real fans. The arena's a joke. Mainly, mainly Knicks fans say that. But now that you've you've covered the Nets for, for a little bit, can you please end this dog shit narrative that you know there aren't real Nets fans and tell the audience how special Barclays can be when the Brooklyn Nets are are playing well and, and the arena's rocking? Well, I, I will say this. Um, I've enjoyed covering games at Barclays Center in terms of like, you know, if I had to, you know, put it in an arena rankings, Barclays is definitely like top five in the league for me. Um, I do got to see more out of the fan base, you know, although it, it could get a little rowdy in there when the team's on a run or getting stops, right? Like I haven't been the one sellout yet. I haven't seen it sold out yet. A lot of empty seats. So, you know, you know, the Nets fans that, you know, are in the area, you guys need to get your butts into some seats and come support your team. Um, but uh, like I said, I've enjoyed Barkley Center. I haven't been, I don't, I want to turn the whole fan base against me <laughs> already. Um, but, uh, you know, Nets fans, you guys need to get to the arena, support your team because you get it's a pretty solid product this year. And, you know, if you guys can, if affordable, if you can get there, I think you'd like what you can see. And I'm sure the team will appreciate the support. In defense of Nets fans out there, it's pretty cold outside. <laughs> um, you know, wait till April, March. There will be sellout games when the Nets are closer to the playoffs. I can guarantee it. Uh, it'll happen. But yeah, it's cold outside. They, you know, they a lot of them went to Florida. Just, you know, they'll be back. <laughs> um, all right. The Nets have a five-game Western Conference road trip coming up, starting tonight against the Kings. They go to Phoenix to play the Suns, Denver, Golden State, and then Utah. Let's start with Pete. Pete, what will be the Nets record on this five-game Western Conference road trip? Oh man. I think they're going to go two and three. I really do. We usually have some issues out West. I could see a couple of games that we just get blown out in. Uh, I would like to, if they went two and three, would you guys be happy with that? As a fan, I think I would take that. I would sign up for that right now. I really would, considering the talent. I mean. Am I going too low? Look, hey, look, look, I have... Last year, I covered a couple winless road trips with the uh, with the Warriors, so you never want that, right? Um, but two and three, three and two, I think there's 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 a couple games in there that can go either way. But I mean, I don't necessarily think that's too low. But like you know, I, I think tonight's game in Sacramento will tell you a lot about like the energy to bring with them out west and you know things of that nature, right? So like mm-hmm. right now, I can tell you. You know, just looking at the schedule right now, at Sacramento, that one's tough. Wouldn't be surprised if they dropped tonight. Um, at Phoenix, I mean, those guys haven't even been healthy. Uh, but I think the Nets can get that game. Aren't they Denver's, all back now, though? The, huh? Their big three? Aren't who they all knows? back? Who knows? You guys have experience with I think they are. Big threes, so. Just saying. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's just, even if they're back, though, like that team just isn't playing with a great level of synergy right now because of guys who've been in and out. Like, I don't think they're like the Nets in that regard, right? I That's think yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I, I could see them winning in Phoenix. Denver's been in a little bit of a slump lately. That could go either way. Um, I think they'll get the Warriors, considering you know, how the Warriors have been playing as of late. And I think they can get Utah. So, like, like I said, two and three, three and two. Like I said, there's a couple games in there that can go either way. But, you know, from what I've seen from this Nets team, I'm confident that, you know, I'm confident they can at least beat Utah and Golden State. I think that they go two and three at the very best. I think they're due for a letdown. I'm just being realistic in terms yeah. of they've won six out of their last seven. They're they're now traveling. They're on the road. They've been winning at home most of these games. Um, I don't know. I, I just if they go three and two, I'm going to be extremely impressed. But I, I see a few a few losses. I think that they they get a win against Utah. They get a win against maybe Golden State. Steph's going to go off, but I think I think the rest of the Nets team might actually be better than Golden State. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I maybe I'm being pessimistic, but when the team go, wins six out of the last seven, they just they're going to come down. You know, I've I've always famously been a glass half full guy, so we'll see. But like I said, tonight's game in Sacramento will set the tone. That is a fiercely tough place to play. It gets really loud in there. Um, you're going to have to make plays down the stretch. And the Kings, they got some guys who can, you know, hit some clutch shots too. So, um, you know, t- uh, tough matchup. I don't know. I think the, I think the Nets have, you know, better interior. I think the Nets have, be- I think Sacramento has better guard play. But you know, I think the Nets have better size, um, better defense. It should be interesting. I think the Nets are kind of in a very interesting position in that it looks like they're going to compete. They get maybe probably be a top five, top six seed, but they're probably not going to win it all this year, right? right. We don't think they have the talent. But then you have a couple guys that are going to be free agents, like a Dinwiddie, like a Royce. What do you think Sean Marks is going to do heading up to the trade deadline? Do you think if they're the fifth seed, do you really think he's going to blow it up? Or is it, you know what, this is a long-term thinking type of thing, and uh, we're not going to win this year. We'll make the playoff this year but we're going to reload for next year. What are your thoughts on that? It's tough. Well, you don't want guys to walk when you can get something for them now. So I know that that's going to be, you know, a thought process in that, but to your point, I don't think anyone expects the Nets to win a championship, win a championship this year. I think that when it's all said and done, I I think we'll be in the Forward. I don't think they'll be a playing team. I think they'll be somewhere in the four to six range. Maybe that's a little too high, but I think they're going to be somewhere in the four to six range. Um, I think that if you can maybe – because as, as long as, you know, Ben's health is shaky, you can't afford to move on from Dinwiddie at this point. When I think about any potential moves that this team could make, I look at those wings. Right. Maybe, you know, maybe you move a Finney Smith because you still got a guy like Royce O'Neal who's, you know, producing at a pretty high level. But, if, you know, if, you, if you, maybe, maybe you, and I say this is just maybe, like, I don't, I don't know shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just got it. <laughs> but, um, of course, this is just your thoughts. Just your thoughts on But, you know, if you could maybe move like a Finney Smith, um, you know, 
maybe one of those young guys, if you, if, you know, they're in the long, on Long Island, if you don't think that, you know, they're a part of the team's future, if you could like flip them for like, you know, maybe, you know, like a creator, like I said, a guy who can, you know, create some sh- uh, shots for others or some draft capital, I think maybe, right? But I think this group is playing too well together to mess with it. So I, I think that their best bet would just to see would just be to see how far this group can take them, right? And then kind of evaluate things in the offseason. Because, you know, as a former player, one thing that I really appreciate is chemistry. And you don't want to mess with chemistry, especially if like, you know, you know you're not gonna win a championship this year. You know, don't mess with the chemistry you do have because that could pay dividends going forward. I mean, just look at Mikel's son's teams. They were awful for, you know, the first couple of years of him being there. And then all of a sudden that flip switched, right? That that switch flipped. So if you can move one of these guys, if you get a sense that they're not going to want to be back next year, um, if you can move one of these guys for maybe some draft capital or, you know, a – a ball handler creator go for it if not i don't i don't think you touch it that that's just me i don't, I don't think you touch it cuz i don't think there's a single move that can be made that would put this team other over the top short of like acquiring Joel and Bead or something which is not going to happen <laughs> so, i agree with that i think that's pretty you know what I'm saying? i mean say say you go out and get a guy like Zach Levine is that is that really going to move the needle I, I don't think so Right. Um, and that's and that guy, he's not a creator. He's a ball stopper. Right. And this is a team that has thrived on like ball movement and player movement this year. And I just don't think you want to mess with that. If, if they're going to if the Nets are going to upset someone in this year's playoffs, it's going to be with the roster they currently have. I, I think you make a lot of strong points, especially the, the Dinwiddie insurance. He's essentially Ben Simmons insurance at this point. So you can't you can't move him because then you don't have a, a scoring point guard to, to play with Mikhail and and Cam Johnson. The way I kind of look at this team and Pete, I said this a few weeks ago on the podcast. Uh, they remind me of those Grizzlies teams from the mid 2000s yeah. with Conley and Gasol and Zebo, And they were always competitive and nobody wanted to play them in the playoffs. That's who I think of the Nets. Um, Different structure and, and totally different type of play, but no superstar. Everybody's bought in. Guys want to see each other shine. That that's just sort of the vibe I get from this team. I can see a lot of that. I see a lot of that, but it's just it's the I don't, like I said. I haven't been on this beat long, but the team is just it just feels really together to me right it just, they just feel really together um uh, i love what vaughn's trying to do with the group um i love everything i've heard out of the locker room it just, it just seems like these guys are together and that matters in this league like guy guy like mikel would know it more than most guys like mikel and cam they would know that more than most but being together matters in this league and i truly think i don't sense any like huge egos guys are playing for each other um you know they they make these small goals and then they they try to reach them you know i think that stuff matters i think like over time i think like over time that's going to be what makes the difference for this team so the the equation is radical truth plus togetherness equals winning basketball that's what we got right there yeah i think I that's the Brooklyn Nets' equation this year 
they know they're not the most talented team, but um, they're going to be one of the most together teams and they're going to play their asses off. And I, I think, I think that's how this team plans on winning games this year. Hell yeah. All right. We have, uh, we have a few questions before we, before we end the show. This is called three questions in getting to know CJ Holmes. So CJ, I have three quick questions for you. Take as much time as you need. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Number one, biggest difference in covering a team on the West Coast versus in New York? The fact that I don't have to drive the work. Um, you know, it, it's funny because my first day on the Nets beat, my first game, it was interesting because I remember when I first became an NBA beat writer covering the Warriors. And that first game, I was kind of just – I don't want to say I was completely lost, uh, you know, because I had been doing journalism for a while before then, but covering an NBA NBA game is just different. Right. And I felt like I stepped in on my first day and I felt like I was completely under control. I knew exactly what I was doing. So the work itself is no different, no different for me. And in some ways it's a little bit of a lighter workload, which, you know, helps my work life balance. Right. In some ways, right? And I want my boss to think I'm slacking, you know what I'm saying? But uh, but uh, the biggest difference for me is just, uh, you know, uh, I'm out here in Jersey City. Uh, so uh, I uh, drive to the the Grove Street Path Station and I hop on the path, take the path to the World Trade Center. And then I either take that one, two or four or five in the Brooklyn. And that's just cool to me. I've never had to commute to work in that way. Um uh, I guess it helps me save on some gas. I don't know how gas versus, you know, trains per day will add up in the long run. I've been doing it long enough, but uh, maybe y'all can give me some advice on that. I but, think you're uh, better off with trains. Trains are better. You don't want to have to drive to work. One thing that still has not gotten old is when you, you get off that Atlantic Avenue, uh, so you get off at that Atlantic Avenue stop and you take that escalator up and then Barclay Center is right there. That's just such a, cool moment to me and it makes going to work every day uh, extremely enjoyable uh so long story short i think you know the work itself is pretty similar at the end of the day it's telling stories um it's uh tell it's telling stories that deserve to be told and you know keeping tabs on this team but i think just the you know it's colder gotta wear a jacket and you know, that's another Big thing. It gets a little breezy out in the bay, but nothing like the nothing like the East Coast. And, I, and I'm from D.C., so like I, I know of it. I just got to get reacclimated to it. Uh, but yeah, I, I would just say the weather and you know how I get to work. Everything else is uh, another day at the office. You said you live in Jersey City. This is a totally unrelated question of my remaining two. Have you been to uh, Have you been to Raza yet? No, no, no. What's that? That's one. I think it's the number one rated pizzeria in America. Really? If it's not Lou Cali, it's it's Raza. They're like one and two. Okay, I'll add it to the list. In Jersey City, I went. I went uh, like a year ago. Is is pretty damn good. I'm gonna have to add it to the list. Then sounds good. All right. Question number two. What has been up to this point in your career your best moment in reporting? <sighs> It's got to be. I guess, it's got to be Game Six in Boston of the NBA Finals a couple years ago. Just uh, you know, that was a Warriors team that had no business winning a championship. And you know, if you see what's going on out in the Bay now, you know, might that might have been their last one. Um, if they can't turn it around here soon, that that might prove to be their last one. But 
you know, just that moment, you know, it would have, it would have been a little cooler if they wanted a chase center. Right. But just that moment of when you look up at the clock and you know, the game is out of reach and you know, they're going to put the game away and, you know, seeing Steph Curry, you know, collapse onto the court in tears, you know, while he's getting booed by the TD garden crowd. I mean, that was just, it, it, it just really just spoke to the greatness of that dynasty and, you know, how they were able to, like I said, I don't, I don't want to count them out just yet, but how they were able to put it together for one last ride. Um, that was a pretty cool moment. And that, that was really cool. Um, seeing the guys come up into the press conference with their goggles on, you know, t-shirts drenched in champagne. I mean, as a reporter, that's, that's one of the moments that you always want to be a part of at some point. And I was lucky enough to, experienced that within my first five months of being an NBA writer. So you really couldn't have scripted it any better. I mean, I walked on, I walked um, into a organization and I got to cover a championship within months and that was just super cool. And then, you know, once we got back to San Francisco, I got to ride and all the reporters got to ride in the championship parade on a different player's bus. So I was on the bus with uh, James Wiseman and Gary Payton the second actually sat in the back of the bus with Gary Payton. So we were chopping it up, you know, the whole bus ride. And that was just a really cool moment. And I'll never, I may not ever get a chance to cover another championship. So that's something that's always going to sit with me for the rest of my life. Matter of fact, if you guys give me a quick second. Absolutely. Pete must be nice, huh? Maybe one day. <laughs> hey, right. I show you a couple of my dreams. First, we got this. Oh, oh Lord. That's shiny. <laughs> Lord. Anyone who's listening, that is a championship rang. <laughs> just like brilliantly just flowing in front of us. Then you got this. Oh, no. That's awesome. He's showing us some champagne goggles from, uh, from the locker room, which is something that me and Spin will probably never see in our lives. So this is... Uh, I'm going to buy them. <laughs> <laughs> This is uh this is the type of stuff that I'm gonna keep with me forever. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a hoarder. You know, I make sure I you know pick up you know little things. So uh, I got a uh, I already got like a little piece of the court from the Nets game a couple of days ago, and then I got uh, I got that Cam Thomas T-shirt. So it's just stuff I keep together. It's like memories of things I covered and you know the people you know maybe pass it along to my children one day. What what I love about that ring, right, is is in your you know later years, 50, 60, you know, years down the road, your grand grandchild's gonna ask about that ring and you're gonna be like Steph Curry went God mode and Jordan Poole played great. And your grandkids gonna be like Steph Curry, yeah, I've read about him. Who yeah, the right. hell is Jordan Poole? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh man. Leave Jordan alone, man. He's, uh, he's, finding, his he's finding his way. Yeah, yeah, no, shout out to Jordan Poole. Would, would love him on the Nets in the future. Um, all right, and then, CJ, this is my my last question out of the three. Uh, what is the most points you've ever scored in a basketball game? Uh, I think I had 22 my senior night at IMG Academy. All right, I was talking to Pete before this. I think that's my career high too in uh, JCC basketball. It was like uh, 16 years old. 25, I hit like – I had like – four threes and it was cool because I was like the first time my dad had watched me play high school basketball and he was there and I had a broken nose so I was wearing goggles but um 
Yeah, that was my career high. It was never better than that once I got the Auburn. So, <laughs> did you did you win that game? We did. We did. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. So you got twenty two in a W. That that matters, right? And this was back in the day before IMG could like play him. It was like recognized as like a normal high school that could like play for like national championships and stuff. But a couple of those teams I had, we definitely could have definitely could have competed. We had Division one talent everywhere. So. 22. All right. That's high praise. CJ, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Where can people find you? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter or X, whatever they call it these days, and Instagram at CJHolmes22. And uh, thank you for having me. And uh, just bear with me. Still learning this team, uh, learning more and more every day. Um, so hopefully the next time uh, you guys let me come on, um, I'll be able to give you guys a little bit more insight. But um you know, this is a good way to introduce myself to the fan base a little bit. And I appreciate you guys uh, giving me the opportunity. No, we, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, you're definitely welcome back on the show. You you dropped some really hard radical truth bombs today that I think uh, we, we want to hear again. And um, absolutely, we, we, we appreciate you taking the time, CJ. You're always welcome back on. And uh, we look forward to watching you cover the Nets for the rest of the season. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. All right. Thanks to everyone for listening to another edition of Fireside Nets with Spen and Pete. Check us out on YouTube and Twitter. And as always, catch you on the fireside.